Welcome, this is the Sales IQ Podcast. My name is Luigi Prestonenzi, and I'm on a mission to help salespeople be the best sales professionals they can be. Each week, we'll bring you a different message from thought leaders from around the globe, so we can help you master the art of selling. If you're in sales, sending cold emails and not getting a response, I think we've all been in that position. We don't know, is it the template we've used? Did we personalize the email but still not get a response? This week, we're joined by Jason Bay, who has developed an incredible methodology to get people to respond to cold emails. And we're going to talk to him today about what that methodology is and how you can apply it to get more cut through when sending cold emails. This episode is brought to you by VanillaSoft.com, sales engagement platform like no other. VanillaSoft is a platform that helps you engage your leads like a CRM just simply can't do. CRM are great, but to engage with your leads effectively, to turn a marketing qualified lead into a sales qualified lead and put more opportunities into your pipeline, you need to get yourself a sales engagement platform. So do yourself a favor, head over to vanillasoft.com, sign up for a free trial, and see why so many salespeople are closing more deals as a result of using Vanilla Soft. So before we get into today's show, guys, I just want to say thanks again for subscribing and for listening to this podcast. I do this to help you be the very best you can be. Please continue to like, rate, and share wherever you listen to podcasts. And please don't forget to send me a message on LinkedIn. I absolutely love receiving those messages of gratitude and thanks. So please keep it up. The best time to start anything you've always wanted to do is now. I say this because with everything going on in sales, with everything going on in the world of technology, things are happening fast. And as sales pros, we can often get a little bit stuck. We can get a bit paralyzed with what should we be doing. That's why I'm really happy to bring this episode this week to you with Jason because, you know, Jason is just getting out there and getting things done. And he's got a couple of really cool techniques that he's going to share with us today around how you can get more out of your cold email. The great thing is cold email has been around for a long time. So I'm really excited to talk to Jason today and help you guys find different ways, not even different ways, get more out of some of the current things that you're doing to drive more sales qualified leads into your pipeline to help you close more deals. So guys, please enjoy the episode with Jason and make sure whatever you do, take something from this episode and apply it immediately. And now, without making you wait any longer, let's get into how to get a better response from your cold emails with Jason Bay. Welcome to the show, Jason. Dude, I'm excited to be on here. Yeah, I'm pretty pumped, man. Anyone that, um, you know, any any topic that talks about, you know, how to create opportunities, pipeline, prospecting um, is an exciting topic for me. So it just shows how much of a, a sales nerd I am, man. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, eat, breathe, and, and sleep and dream about this stuff, man. So uh, I'm right there, <laughs> right there with you, dude. <laughs> yeah. Well, man, I've heard, um, I've heard you on a couple of other podcasts um, and uh, obviously follow your content. And really, really enjoy the, the content you're putting out, man. So it's it's really exciting for us to be able to talk to you today um, about how sellers can, you know, create a um, a reply methodology that helps them, you know, when they're when they're out there prospecting. 
Um, but before we get into today's show, mate, we'd love to know a bit more about you, um, the company you run, and how you started in the world of sales. Yeah, so I started selling uh, as a freshman in college, actually. So this is in 2008, and I went door-to-door selling house painting services. So I was a forensic scientist prior to that, Did never imagined going into sales, and that was my first experience. And I happened to really, really enjoy it. And I spent college teaching other kids you know, how to run a painting business. So that's how I got into sales yeah. training and what really went to scratch the itch. But in 2013, I, so I worked with that company for like seven years, worked with them as a marketing director afterwards, got to start like an outbound call center. And that was all business to consumer. And then in 2013, I left and I was like, you know, I want to help other businesses with this kind of stuff. And I had to learn how to sell B2B, but more importantly, how to prospect because I was going to a lot of like in-person networking events because that's what they tell you to do when you start a yeah. business for the first time. And I just wasn't getting in front of people that could say yes. And that's naturally how we started Blissful Prospecting was to really scratch my own itch of, I wasn't seeing a lot of great content out there on how to prospect you know, as a solo consultant in a small yeah. business. And I started doing that, sending emails, you know, making cold calls, using LinkedIn. And the clients that I would get from that were like, hey, that was kind of cool. Could you do that for me? So that's what we started out doing at Blissful Prospecting was doing the prospecting for people in appointment setting. And then now in the last couple of years or so, we've moved more into a, you know, being a personal trainer, so to speak, yeah. right? That kind of guide people along in the process, create the plan for them, hold them accountable, coach them, et cetera. But that's really what we specialize in is companies that want to go outbound or are already going outbound and aren't quite getting the type of results that they want because they don't have the structure, the yeah. message in place, you know, maybe uh, they don't even really know how their reps should structure their days. You know, all, all that kind of stuff is what we help with now. Oh, fantastic. And what are some type of companies you work with? Are you working specifically in the tech space or kind of any industry vertical? Primarily what we're working in is, you know, SaaS and tech, you know, is a big one, obviously. Yep. And then professional services. So people, you know, it could be marketing agencies, you know, consultants, you know, people selling productized services, yep. you know, that kind of stuff. But typically people with a, you know, an annual contract value of at least 10,000 bucks okay. per customer where it makes sense to do some personalization and you know, kind of take your time doing things. Yeah. So when you started your, um, you know, when you started doing outsourced sales for organizations, um, what were some of the early learnings that you took that's helped you sort of shape your, your current practice? Well, there were certain clients we did extremely well for and there were certain yep. ones that we didn't. And the ones that we didn't do well for, we had to really look and be like, you know, why is this not working? Is it something that we're not doing right with these emails and that kind of stuff? Or is it something that they're missing? And a lot of what we found out is that most of the time, some of the time we could have done better, obviously. You can always have better messaging. But a lot of it was lack of product market fit. You know, they're just way too early. Some of them were pre-revenue. So they didn't have a validated product offering yep. with a price point that people were willing to pay. They didn't have the case studies. They didn't really have the story in their messaging down. And we've really tried to stay away from working with companies like that and let them get through that startup you yep. know, process and really focus on companies that are already prospecting. Like they already have sales teams, they're already prospecting and they want to do it better. So that's probably the biggest learning that we had along with just getting a system down. You know, we, that's how we came up with the reply method framework for messaging was literally writing hundreds of email sequences, yeah. you know, myself for our clients and, and my wife, Sarah, helping with that. Um, 
we're like, hey, dude, like this takes way too long to do every time. There's got to be a set of things that we yeah. gather each time. <laughs> and then we kind of put it into a framework and make our own email templates. Because I've tried every email template, yep. you know, HubSpot, share their stuff. You know, any of the sales engagement platforms share their templates and they all suck. And it's not because the template's bad. It's just because you're using a template that's not for you or your industry yeah. or the personas you're reaching out to and that kind of stuff. So really learned how to take this approach of let's make our own email templates. Let's, let's make our own talk tracks. This is a really interesting topic, right? Because I think we live in a world where tech technology is really enabling sellers to do stuff. Historically, it would take us days to do, right? Um, if you look at yeah. the sales engagement and it's gone crazy between outreach and and sales loft. I mean, they're the unicorn companies now, right? But um, what's been really, really interesting for me, and I'm like you, you know, I test a lot of different messages, a lot of different sequences. I find, you know, the best open rates and the best click rates are the ones where you kind of go against all the template frameworks that are out there um, and they're hyper-personalized. And you're right, they're very, very specific to the buyer persona that we talk to. Um, but I want to go back a step. So are you a copywriter? Uh, I wouldn't say that I'm a copywriter by trade now. Yeah. So where did you start? Because I think a lot of sellers, you know, there's a lot of salespeople that say, look, my job's to sell. I'm not there. Now you're asking me to create content, you know, post on social, develop my own emails. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of sellers that go, man, do I have to write content? But talk to me about sort of how you started developing some of these emails and, and the content component of your, from a cadence perspective. Yeah, that's a good question. I've never been asked that before, actually. Um, so there's a couple things that for some reason, when we go to actually write something down from a sales or a marketing perspective, there's like this mode that we yeah. go into where we have like a different personality. <laughs> the way that we think about stuff and the way we say things are not what actually comes out on the computer screen. Yep. So what I would do is I would write these emails that when you read it out loud, you're like, oh, wow, I had to take multiple breaths within the same sentence. Yeah, okay. <laughs> right? Or I'm reading this and I'm like, this sounds so stuck. Like I would never talk like this to someone. Yeah. So the thing that I have figured out to do and the thing that I would suggest when you're writing messaging is instead of approaching the sequence as I need to write the templates for the sequence, I would get someone on your team and talk out, hey, what are the problems that this person has that we're helping with? Let's articulate mm -hmm. that problem yeah. and let's articulate the result that we can help them with. Like what is that after picture? And when you start articulating that out loud, you can record it. There's a bunch of different things you can do, but you want to really try to transcribe that as closely as possible for the email so that your email sounds a lot like what you would say in a cold call. Yeah, So that's the very first thing I would do is I would talk out loud and I would brainstorm and write this stuff together out loud. The second thing you can do too that really helped me and the, and the customers that we, that we work with is to don't write the entire sequence of templates, write a sequence to a person, open up their LinkedIn profile mm. and write that email to Luigi. Yeah. Hey, Luigi, personalize it by stuff that I find on your LinkedIn profile. And you take a finished sequence and then you turn that into a template. Most people start the opposite way. They start with the template first yeah. and then they create it. And then what it, what it ends up sounding like is and looking like is a template with plugged in stuff, even though you took the time to personalize it, it still feels yeah, yeah, and looks absolutely. sounds templated. So that's, that would be like the number two hack for that. Yeah. The, uh, I would say 
I would start with those two things. Those, those actually are the two things that have helped me most to get it as conversational as possible because some people just don't really get that. How do I make this conversational? And you do it by doing just that. Like yeah. start by having a conversation about it and then capture that. Because every time I ask someone, like when they look at my, they say, hey, Jason, look at my email. What do I need to do? The very first thing I ask them if I don't like the emails, I don't start breaking it down. I just say, tell me about your prospect. What, what are the challenges that they're having you help with? And then how do you ultimately help them? Don't talk about your product, no features, yeah. no benefits. None of this. How do you help them? And like, that's your email right there. Man, that's I what love you should this. say. This is I hear cool. people like you have challenges like this and here are the ways that we help them. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's really that straightforward, but you got to get out of that. I need to be a copywriter. No, you're a salesperson. Yeah. All you need to do is talk about the challenge. It, like, like the other mistake that I've made too is being too perfect mm. with a copy. It doesn't have to be like short, concise and all this other stuff. Like it's okay to have like extra little words here and there. It doesn't have to be this like perfect looking thing. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. This is great advice because what I'm going to do, what I did after I, I, I interviewed Kyle, Kyle Coleman a couple of weeks back, the guy's a gun, mm-hmm. right? And um, yep. he told me about his email framework. So I, um, I did, I basically did a verbatim, but added my own personality to it. And um, yeah. the click, like the actual open rate was off the hook. <laughs> and I sent him a text, I sent him a message <laughs> later on. I'm like, mate, these, these results are, are amazing. Um, so I'm going to do the same. I'm going to do that straight, you know, this morning, I won't do it right now, but um, later this morning, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do a conversation. I'm going to, I'm going to read it out. I'm going to record it. Um, and then I'll send it to you, man. And, uh, and then when I go live yeah. with it, let's actually see the results. Cause uh, that's what I love about talking to people like yourself, man. You guys are practitioners. You're doing this every day. So it's actually yeah. awesome. So Dude, yeah, I'm excited for that. Yeah, man. So I want to just go back a step because, again, I think you've touched on a couple of things and I think we get to miss, you know, when this whole crisis started, I was speaking to some sales leaders, um, you know, about their ICP, their ideal customer profile and their buyer persona and sort of said, okay, what, you know, how did you go redeveloping these um, or recontextualizing them for the current state? And a lot of them said, like, we haven't done that which I found really interesting, right? Because there was a major trigger event that occurred, but they didn't take the time to actually assess how that, how the current situation has impacted their buyer persona or their customer profile. And you made mention of that before, like the messaging. So how, how important is it to really understand that buyer persona and do that homework first before creating the message? Well, it's everything. It's, if you don't do that, it's like being a, yeah, I like using the personal trainer and fitness analogy. It's like being a personal trainer and creating a workout plan. And you don't even know what the person looks like. You don't know what their body type is. You don't know what their body fat percentage is. You don't yep. know like what kind of workout. I mean, like, could you imagine doing that as a personal trainer? It'd be impossible yeah, to do. Yeah. You're guessing. It's the same exact thing when you go to prospect to someone and you haven't thought about, that's what empathy is, by the way. Everyone's talking about empathy. And I hate that people are calling it a buzzword because mm. people still don't understand most of the people that I see what it actually is. And it's really simple. It's just being able to put yourself in the other person's shoes and to be able to talk to their situation. That's what we need to do from a prospecting standpoint. So if we aren't able to talk to that prospect situation and say, Hey, I work with a lot of folks like yourself and they're telling me that right now they're having to do this. Yeah. And that's impacting their priorities in this way. And what they really care about now is this. Like, if you can't talk to that, it's kind of impossible to write a really good message. Yeah. You know, so you have to do that. You mentioned adjusting your ICPs and personas. Uh, And again, this might seem really obvious, but what I don't see people doing is just looking at your existing 
customer base. Yeah. Like you have, if you have a decent sized customer base, just look at which ones are more affected than others and just get them on a call and start talking to them about it. One of the biggest hacks you can do right now is get similar customers in similar situations, get them on a Zoom call like this, get four or five of them together. It can be a small group, but help them in the area where you can help. So yeah. for example, um, if you help small businesses with uh, finances, we worked with the SaaS company that had a bookkeeping you know, kind of automation, get four or five small businesses in the same industry together and talk about what they're doing to reduce costs, yeah. like unnecessary costs. They're going to share all kinds of stuff with each other that you won't think about asking because you're not that small business owner. Yeah. That becomes empathy. That, that becomes your ability to empathize with other prospects like them. Hey, we have a bunch of people we work with like you. We got them on a Zoom call the other day, and here's what they told me that they're really focused on right now. And I'd love to share with you some of the ideas that they, they came up with. That becomes the reason to hop on a meeting with you. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Versus can yeah. I get 30 minutes of your time to do a demo? So that's like one simple thing that you can do even as a sales rep. Yeah. Is get a few of your customers in similar industries or similar challenges on the phone, on a Zoom call, talk to them, and then you can take that and use that information in a lot of different ways. But more importantly, or most importantly, excuse me, you can now empathize yeah. with your customers better because you actually know what's going on. You're not guessing. Yeah, it's it's, it's interesting, right? Because I think so many um so many sales folks are trying they they go to that let me get you on a demo or um they they want to go to the features, really present the features of of what they're offering. And, you know, some of the deals that I've ever been, like some of the biggest deals that I've ever been involved in, it's kind of the product or the service we were offering were completely irrelevant. Yeah. You know, because, and they actually didn't come up. Um, it was all about the solution. It was all about the outcomes we were trying to help people achieve and the problems that we were helping them fix. And usually the business case that we developed was primarily focused on those outcomes. Um, and the solution was kind of just a byproduct of that particular outcome, Right. Um, so it's really interesting you say that. So, so that's that's a really great idea because also when you bring you bring prospects together or you bring your customers set together to have these sort of general discussions, you're actually getting some real insight that you can provide other people, and so you're leading with value, and you're and and that's you're you're differentiating through that value. So that's a really cool model. So talk to us about the reply method. So you've got a you've got a methodology that you use. Mm -hmm. Would love to sort of break that down with you now. Yeah, so there's a couple things that we need to understand about what we're doing when we're prospecting in order for the reply method to work. One is that we're not trying to sell stuff when we prospect. So yeah. what I always say is don't prospect to make sale prospect to start a conversation. So you got to get it through your head that whenever you start talking about features and benefits, you're starting a conversation with someone and assuming that they already know who you are, what you sell, and that they're in the buying mode. And most of the people that we talk to are not in the buying mode when we do outbound. Yep. So really this is uh, centered around starting a conversation with them. So the reply method, so it's an acronym. So the, the R stands for relevant results. So what we really need to think about is like, why do people actually buy things? And it's, I think it's important to understand like why people change. So like, I'll give you an example. Um, so let's look at like we can look at a tool like Calendly, right? Yep. We use Calendly to, to schedule and that sort of thing. And this guy, Bilal uh, Batrawi, who might be, actually be good for you to interview. I just interviewed him on the podcast the other day. And he talked about is what means. And I was like, oh, that's a really cool way to talk about like what your product like means yep. to the customer versus talking about just what it is. Yep. So the is what means is the is is Calendly. It's a scheduling tool, right? 
what does it do? It saves you time scheduling. And that's typically where we stop with results, right? We say, hey, the thing that we can help you with is save time. We can make you more money. We can increase top line revenue. But people don't really talk in that way. People typically talk in story form, right? And like what the transformation, what that after picture is like. When you see a car commercial, it's that person driving that Mercedes or that Mm. BMW with like a shit eating grin on their face. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's what it's all about. So what does it mean? What does Calendly mean? What Calendly really means to the user is that I don't have to waste time emailing prospects back and forth trying to schedule a meeting and I can spend more time doing what I really want to do, selling. That's what it means to them. So these relevant results, what we really need to avoid is sharing social proof with companies that are not relevant to the prospect. So like my favorite is people say, oh, we worked with Google, Amazon, et cetera, when they're prospecting to me. I'm like, I'm a small business dude. You know, <laughs> yeah, relate with those. Right? So share a similar social proof. And yeah. when you start talking about the results that your product or service can help with, don't talk about what it does. Saving time is just a small part. You can say our product saves mm-hmm. time, but what it really means is this. Like, what is that transformation? What's that after picture? So that's the first part of our messaging is we need to talk about the results that we get and it needs to be what it means to the prospect, yeah. not what your product or service does. That's pretty cool, is what means. So the first part is relevant, relevant results, yeah. right? And so it's, it's getting relevant, it's making sure your product or your, your, your messaging is fitting the actual persona that you're talking to. What's the E? Let's go into the E. So E is empathy. Yep. So we started talking about some of this stuff, but really where we need to go is we need to talk to their situation, like I was talking about. So yep. I, I like to talk about these situational challenges. And what you're really trying to do here is to make the prospect feel like you know what it's like to walk mm. in their shoes, that, that you're one of them. You especially see this when you're reaching out to more senior people or IT folks or technical folks. It's like, you're a salesperson. You don't know me. Like that's yeah. kind of the vibe, right? When people yeah. are prospecting, you, you, you want to do the exact opposite of that. So these situational challenges, what you really need to talk to is like, let's look at why someone hires a personal trainer, for example. Yeah. So if you, if you said, hey, yeah, Luigi, um, I can help people that are having challenges losing weight. It's like, okay. I mean, that's what every personal trainer yeah. does. And if you say that to me, I'm like, okay, I want to lose weight. But if you're like more specific and showed that you understood my situation, I'd be more compelled to talk to you. So if you said something like, you know, hey, hey, Jason, do you ever like wake up in the morning and like the night before you set the alarm early, you put your shoes out, your shirt, your shorts, and you're going to go to the gym at six o'clock, but for some reason you didn't make it out of bed and you couldn't make it to the gym. Does that ever happen to you? I'd be like, yeah, that happens. I mean, hey, Jason, you're probably doing, you know, pretty good job, but like, do you ever find that sometimes you go to work out and you don't really know what the best way to spend that 30 minutes would be to accomplish your fitness goals? Like, yep. you ever wonder that? I'd be like, yeah, you know? And it's like, I'm talking to the specific situation that happens throughout yeah. my day as a prospect where I incur these challenges that you can help me with. So if we're selling sales training and I'm focused on prospecting, right, with what we're doing, yeah. the situational challenge is, hey, you lead you, do you ever have reps and you guys have sat down and picked out the 50 accounts for the month and you guys go to write the emails and you realize that you don't really have a structure that you're confident in that will actually get responses from the prospect. Has that ever happened to you? 
you know, a lot of people would be like, yeah, that, this, that's because that's what I always hear. Yeah, it's yeah. like, I, you don't have a structure. I'm not confident this is going to work. I don't want to waste time. Mm. So I need to talk to those situational challenges. Yep. And you can get those in a couple of different ways. One, the hard way is customer interviews. Mm. So not a product style customer interview, but actually talking to your customers and saying, why did you choose to take a meeting with me? What yep. kind of challenges were you having? Why did you choose to talk to me? Why did you choose to hire us instead of someone else? You know, like that sort of stuff. Or in discovery, and this is what I do when I'm doing an intro call or discovery call, I take really, really good notes. Like literally I write down the quotes that the people say when I ask mm. them, why are we talking today? You know, what's going on or what happened that made you decide to reach out to me today? Yeah. And they'll be like, dude, I was having challenges. Or this happened. I'll be like, tell me more about that. And that also becomes the follow-up too after yeah. the meeting. And I put those quotes. Here's what you told me. But those quotes become really literally word for word mm. your, in your email. Hey, Luigi, I, you know, I'm talking to a lot of VPs of sales and, and right now they're telling me this yep. is happening. And I can literally write that down, that, that quote. So that's empathy is being able to put yourself in the prospect's shoes and be able to talk in their language about the situation that they're in right now. Yeah, absolutely. Love this. Okay, so relevance, results, empathy. Then we go to the P. So P is for personalization. Yep. So if we're looking at an email here or a cold call, really this, the structure yeah. is you start with something personalized, you have that empathy in there, and then you talk about the results. Most people do it backwards. They say, hey, my name is Jason. Uh, the reason for my call is we do this, this, and this. And they mm -hmm. go into that is and what instead of the means, right? So the personalization is that, that, that reason for reaching out. You want the prospect to feel like you reached out to them on purpose yep. and that there is a reason. And there's lots of things that you can find, but it needs to be a couple things. It needs to be one relevant to why yep. you're reaching out. So we work with a company that sells like employee engagement, like software. Yep. Essentially what that, what that means to the prospect is like, I can actually track my individual employees' goals down to the KPIs, like the company's KPIs. So yeah. people feel really connected to what the company is doing. It's pretty cool. Yeah. But the personalization that they use is they go on the careers page and look for the values yeah. or they look for pictures of like employees doing really fun stuff. So they're looking for indicators that this company cares about employee engagement mm. and then yeah. they'll call that out. So that's the first couple of lines of the email. Yeah. So that's what we want to do is we want to make sure that it's relevant. We want to be specific. So those first couple lines, if you can copy and paste that and put it into a different email to a different prospect, it's not yeah. specific enough and it needs to be conversational. That's good. So that's the personalization piece. Okay. Um, and then we go the L. Laser focus. Laser focus. <laughs> For a minute, so I laser how to spell reply, man. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, laser focus, this one's pretty straightforward. It's, it's really about, you know, hey, people have really short attention spans and I need to get to the point. Yeah. I need to make whatever I'm doing really skimmable and really easy to uh, comprehend and digest. So emails is a rule of thumb. I try to be three to five sentences or less than 120 words. Yeah. You'd be surprised how far 120 words goes. That, go, that yeah, goes absolutely. quite a bit of ways. Um, the second thing is voicemails should really be under 30 seconds. If you're going to send a video in an email to someone under 60 seconds, ideally, yep. you're able to articulate why you're calling in less than 10 or 15 seconds, you know, like that, that, that kind of stuff. Mm. So keeping it really short, sweet, laser focused. Uh, another one I would throw in for email specifically is one CTA. Yep. There shouldn't be any option to do anything else in that email. You should be asking one thing. So if you want them to look at a case study, make the entire email about checking out that case study. You can always send a follow-up asking for 
a meeting later. You can always call them and ask for a meeting. Don't ask for a meeting and share two or three links in the same email. Yeah. It's more choices. So they need to burn as few calories as possible consuming your prospect and content. It needs to be very, very easy. And you need to tell them exactly what you want them to do. Yeah, it's really interesting you say that, right? That laser focus. Because I've had a lot of debates about this with people. And I'm looking at, there's a campaign I'm running, you know, 3,400 emails or 3,600 emails, I think it's been sent. I have to check. And we're sitting at an incredible, you know, open rate. It's in the 70%. Like, it's, it's actually, nice. it's really impressive. Um, and the click rate's actually pretty good. I think we're sitting at about 8%. Um, which some might argue is not very high, but I would say actually that's 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 pretty damn good in the first email. Um, and we've only got it's very very uh, laser focused. So we've just got the one the one call to action, right? Um, and it's actually interesting because through some other campaigns, we're testing sort of no call to action at all, um, and then seeing what the follow up phone call um, does. And it's oh, re- really yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. I've been just testing something, and again, something that I was talking to Kyle about, and um, we've been testing something. It actually, works really well because then the pickup rate from the next phone call has been incredibly high, right? Yeah. Um, so you know, just toying around with these different messages, and I think one of the things that I've learned through this whole exercise, I'd love to talk to you about this, is because I love this. You've got a really cool play here, right? But I think what I'm hearing you say is is that you've obviously done a lot of testing, right? Mm-hmm. To come up with this model. So for yep. anyone that has been a bit reluctant to conduct cold outreach, that has been living on the inbound, you know, what I call the inbound vein, um, and has, has, has really struggled the last couple of months because, you know, digital search has really dropped in the last sort of two months, right? Um, if anybody hasn't actually been doing cold outreach, what are some of the... Um, some advice you can give them to get started? Ooh, that's a good question. So th- there's a couple things I would think about and it's uh, one a- along the theme of laser focus is yeah. like, think of this in, in a series of tests. You're looking for a very specific type of customer because a lot of times what people are feeling is this huge overwhelm of my total addressable markets, like yeah. t- thousands or tens yeah. of like, where do I start? Oh my God. It's like walking into that restaurant you know, like any Asian restaurant is going to have a menu that's like <laughs> 10 pages long. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, where do I start? You know, there's like 20 different kinds of fried rice I can get. Yeah. Um, don't do that. Like, just just say, hey, look at my existing customer base. Where's my uh, case studies, success stories, portfolio the strongest? Who has the easiest sales? Like, who really gets our product and like what we sell? Yep. And start with that. And then that way, when you go to prospect, it's like, hey, we've already worked with 20, 30, 40 other companies like yours yeah. before. And like, you know the language, all that stuff. So start really simple. I would say start with one ideal client profile and two personas. Yeah. Have an above the line. So Skip Miller calls it an above the line and below the line persona. One that's like above the power line, you know, yeah. VPC level and one below the power line. You know, more your influencer, you know, power user, champion type mm-hmm. of person. Just start with that. And then build messaging for that. Just get started. Like, just write that first email. Yeah. That's it. So it's just one email, one call, and one message. And so just want to know, like, when you start your target, like, are you looking account-specific or are you looking lead-specific? You're going, I need to talk to an SVP of sales or RevOps or sales enablement, yep. or are you going, I need to work with this type of account? Uh, I mean, us personally, I like the account-based approach, but yep. that doesn't necessarily make sense for everyone. I think it depends on your deal size. 
I like to use ten thousand US dollars as the yeah. as the guideline guideline. As if the it's spending criteria. That, yeah. So yeah. So if they have if you have ten thousand dollar annual contract value, to me it makes sense to spend some time personalizing, yeah. to have an account based approach and to like really think about how you're gonna target and approach these yeah. companies. Anything under that I find is a little bit more of a numbers game. And oftentimes what I'm doing is I'm leading with email and I'm only calling and doing all the extra stuff on the people that open or the people that open multiple times. Yeah. Okay. So like you have an open rate of 70%. I'd be like, you know what, how can I dial in the 10% of people that like open the emails two, three, four times a piece and have outreach sales loft, vanilla soft, whatever you're using for your sales engagement tool, create some activities and triggers for you to just call those people that are opening those emails because the cold call for that is super warm. Yeah. It's like, Hey, Luigi, uh, Jason with blissful prospecting here. Does that ring a bell? Or be like, Hey, it's Jason with blissful prospecting. How you been? It's just this pause. And if they've opened my emails a bunch of times, they usually, Oh yeah, yeah, Jason got your email. Yeah. That little bit right there makes it so much easier when you're on the phone. Well, I'm a bit of a, you know, I like, I, I come from the school of, call everyone, right? If they're in the campaign, we're just going to call them regardless whether they're open because it's part of a cadence. And that's the next question. When, when you talk about reply and you spoke earlier about sequence and instead of worrying about the whole sequence, start with the first, right? How important is it to build a particular cadence when running this type of outreach? It's extremely important because yeah. all of the data will tell you that you know, it's somewhere between the range of 10 and 15 touches over yep. 30 to 45 days, two, three channels, et cetera. You've probably seen the data. Yeah. Um, the reason why I'm hesitant to give blanket advice because I don't like calling every prospect if, if your deal size is lower. Yeah. To me, it doesn't make sense. And yeah. it, but it depends also on the resources that you have too. Do you yeah. have the, the man or woman power to be able to do that? And a lot of times, people have more people to call that they could deal with. And it's, mm. it's like, it's kind of about like, what can we automate and do at scale? And then how can we add some like really sophisticated, like personal touch yep. to the people that are just engaging and opening up and clicking through and all that other stuff. So it's kind of a combination of the two, but to answer your question, dude, it's so important to sequence and build cadences because if you're not systematically going after people, the contact rate's going to be really low. Yeah. If you're only going to send one email in your campaigns, I'd recommend not doing it at all if that's all you're going to do. Yeah. Like you're better off trying to find a different way to get a hold of people if all you're going to do is send one email and stop. Absolutely. So mate, I'd love to know um you've built a couple of businesses, right? Mm-hmm. If you were to start today, start your business again today, what's one strategy that you've used when building blissful prospecting that you would use today? Dude, it's all about social proof, man. Like the the way that our business completely changed and it took six to nine months is I said, you know what? I'm going to get on every single sales podcast that will allow me. <laughs> and uh, and I told you, you were on the list. Yeah. It's funny, you reached out because I was going to cold email you. But so this started like beginning of last year. Yeah. I was like, I don't care who it is. Like I'm going to get on all the biggest sales podcasts I could possibly Hang on, get. Just press pause. Why, why did it take so long for you to reach out to me? <laughs> no for some reason i thought like australia i'm like i don't know do australian people like me i don't know <laughs> i don't know if they're like me man <laughs> what do they think of asian people there you know um so so i think social proof is very underrated so like one thing that you can think about is 
So you, you can accomplish this really quickly in a couple different ways. But one is the very first thing you need to do is get a case study or a success story of some sort. So do whatever it takes. I don't, yeah. I don't like doing free work. I hate doing that. But you can do work at a discount. You yeah. know, or do some sort of results-based thing to get that first case study. Use that case study and like what you learned or what you helped them with to create a story to get on podcasts or whatever other media type of thing that would be relevant in your industry. Yep. Once we did that, it was like, it wasn't really the inbound. A lot of the inbound started coming, but it was the social proof of people all of a sudden taking my time very seriously. Mm. Oh, Jason, heard you on that podcast. You know, would love to chat with you about getting your help on this stuff. Like, demonstrating your expertise is the best thing that you could do. Another thing that we do that gets a ton of engagement is we do these cold email breakdowns or cold call breakdowns. I record a video of me breaking down someone else's email or cold call and I put it on LinkedIn. We get tons of leads every time we do that because you're demonstrating expertise. This is all stuff that you can do within the first three to six months of your business. Create that case study, create content that demonstrates your expertise and think about social proof. Like how can I use these stories and the success stories of my customers and clients to get on platforms and get that initial social proof that you need? Yeah. And so what if, right, what if you're thinking, okay, I need to go out there. I need to continue to build my personal brand, you know, because LinkedIn's blowing up and I'm a bit late to the, I'm a bit late on the, on the LinkedIn train, right? There's all these other people that have got thousands of followers. They're already doing some of these techniques that you talk about. You know, would my message or would my strategy then just be wasted in a sea of sameness? Yeah, so two things there. So you'd be really surprised at how a lot of the people that you would think that you really they really know what they're doing don't. Yeah. They're really good at building a brand and doing all that stuff, but can I won't mention any specific names, but people... <laughs> don't really actually know what they're talking about or they're just as fearful as you are. Yeah. Those are usually the two cases. Uh, The other thing is you got to think about how you can make what you're doing blue ocean. Mm. So by blue ocean, if you haven't read the book, the concept is how can I get into the open water instead of the red sharky water, right? Where all the, all the actions happening. So you got to think about like, what are ways that I can be different and niche down? And niching down could be in the, the specific problem that you mm. solve. So for us, that's what we did. We said, instead of helping everyone with sales, let's niche down and let's focus on focus. prospecting. Yeah. And partic- a particular type of prospecting, outbound. Yeah. So that's what we chose to do. And then we also chose to niche down into companies that weren't like the big focus. Like in tech, everyone wants to work with like Z- the Zooms and LinkedIn's and Salesforce's of the world. I'm like, yeah. I don't even have any experience selling enterprise. I don't want to work on the enterprise level. Let me work like with companies that are SMBs and you know some mid-market you know kind of stuff. Yep. Right. So choose that. The other thing you can do too is just look at what people are posting right now and like what questions people respond to uh, when people post content, mm. and just start one by one solving those and answering those questions. The way that you build something that's unique is you build it for people. Yeah. Like the best thing you can do is start posting content and the people that engage with it hop on a call with them and get like a group of like 10, 20 people that really dig your stuff and create everything for them. And guess what? There's hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands of people exactly like them. And if you just focus on helping them instead of being different from everyone, you're going to create stuff that's different because you're going to work in this bubble Mm. of these people that look at you as the expert and you're going to be helping them. And it's not going to be outside influenced by all these other big people in your industry and that's what we're doing with our membership community, actually. It's like we're doing all kinds of cool stuff besides just a community. 
Yeah. And it wasn't because I thought about how to be different. I just said, hey, what do you guys want? And one thing that we're doing is these things called prospecting plays. Yeah. And I had this idea of, hey, wouldn't it be really cool to see how other reps prospect that are killing it at their companies? Yeah. So I interview them on a podcast. I turn that into a deck. And then in our community, I was like, how can I make this easier for you to consume? So I like turn it into like a 10 or 15 minute video. Yeah. And like where I break down what the person's doing and then give them like a sheet with like, Hey, if you want to cold call like this person, here's how to do it. If you want to send emails like this person has to do it. And I didn't think of that idea by just being different. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was like, let me just figure out in this community, like what these people want and just focus on that and like how I can uniquely deliver that to them. Yeah. And that's going to help you create content and really differentiate from other people because you don't have to think about being different necessarily. You're just doing your thing for specific people. Yeah. Um, one last comment on that is that I think a lot of people when they're creating content don't think, who is this content for? Specifically, yeah. when I'm creating this, like, who is this to help? No different when, they, when you're writing an email. Don't write the template. Write this email to a person and then turn that into a template. It's the same approach with with content and building your personal brand is like, do it for people. Don't do it for yourself yep. or do it to be different. Like do it for people, specific yep. people. This is great advice, right? And, and it's, it, it's, I uh, interviewed Seth Godin last year. Um, oh, cool, dude. And, uh, you know, such an incredible experience. And, and, the, and something that he said, it just keeps hitting me, slapping me in the face because he said, you know, you don't, you don't um, create a tribe, right? You find it. They're already out there. You know, the yeah. Beatles didn't uh, create 16-year-old girls. You know, they, they found them um, and they led them, right? And, uh, yeah. and it's just, it just resonated with me so much. And I'm like, you're right. You know, we can't, we can't create a tribe. Um, but what you're suggesting and what you're saying just is so aligned with that. It's know what inspires them, know what motivates them, know what challenges they face, and then create content that's going to help them achieve something better. Um, and I actually love that because that's the way that you find your tribe and, and you lead them um, together in that community space. So I absolutely, absolutely love that message, man. So I appreciate you sharing that with us. So, mate, there's a couple of questions I always ask every guest, and I probably haven't asked a couple of other guests, um, but in, in your opinion, is sales an art or a science? Uh, it's definitely both. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely both. I mean, the art part of it comes out with like making it you know, individualizing the yep. experience for each person and being able to think in the moment. But the, there's certain science around psychology and behavioral science yeah. that you just can't ignore. You know, law of reciprocity being one of those things. Like when you do things for people, they feel more compelled to do things for you. This has been studied yeah. so much, right? So there is a very scientific part of it that can be measured um, as well, you know, yeah. like conversational analytics and all this other stuff right, are starting to measure the effectiveness of old school sales advice that yeah. we would hear all the time. Like the prospect should talk more than you. Well, that's not always actually the case. Yeah. Um, a lot of documented, like really successful sales professionals on cold calls and in sales calls, they talk more than their prospect. Yeah. You know, so I think there's certain things like that that can be proven and disproven. Mm. So to answer your question, both. A bit of both, yeah. And the biggest influence in your career and why? Oh man, biggest influence on my career. At first it was Jeffrey Gittimer. You know, that was the first sales book I read. Yeah, man. I picked so. it up off the shelf and <laughs> yeah. You know, Barnes and Noble yeah. when I was 18 years old, I was like, I'm gonna do sales now, I yeah. guess. You know, so my natural inclination was go buy a book on sales. And 
Little Red Book is the sales Bible or the Little Red Book? Little Red Book, then yeah. sales Bible is next. And then I had the rest of his books too. Yeah. Um, but that was interesting because uh, I went to seminars and things like that of his and was like, oh God, like that made me want to become a sales trainer. And then I got to uh, get interviewed on his podcast last year. I sent them a cold email. I was so nervous <laughs> getting on their, their podcast. And, and now we text each other every now and then. You know what yeah, I mean? So that, cool. was, that was super cool. Um, I would say him at first. And then in terms of other influences, my influences primarily come outside of the industry mm. and like Michael Jordan, it's hard not to, yeah. and it really got brought up again through this ESPN documentary, the last dance that's coming up, just his ability to like really focus and really find ways to challenge himself and to create competition really ins- re-inspired me again to think about how can I be more competitive yep. just for fun even and like do what we're doing better than other people and like have a goalpost and compete with other people, you know, for fun. Um, yeah. So I would say Michael Jordan has been really the other big influence I would say. Yeah. That's fantastic, man. And look, I, I resonate with that because uh, there's two books, you know, Jim Cathcart, if I'm not sure if you've ever read it, but it's relationship selling. It's an old book, man. It was my first. And then obviously yeah. the sales Bible, man, and little red book of selling. <laughs> yeah. and, yep. um, you know, I love the books. I've got a lot of books. I'm constantly buying books and, um, I think they're great. You know, you can take one take away from each of these books. I'm actually reading again, The Miracle Morning, because my routine's just been- right, yep. Yeah, man. And I'm, I fucked my routine the last sort of two months. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to get back into that, that laser yeah. focus that you talk about, right? Get that morning right, because it kind of sets you up for success. But mate, I've absolutely loved um, talking to you today. I could talk to you for hours on this sort of stuff, man. So I really appreciate <laughs> you coming on. Yeah. Um, but before we sort of finish up, where can our listeners- uh, you know, connect with you and find more about you. Yeah. So I created a, a link for you guys where you can get the reply method in like awesome. a one page guide. Yep. Yeah. So if you're normally, what I would say is if you're listening to this in the car or at the gym <laughs> uh, and you didn't get a chance to take notes, but you're probably not doing that. You're probably sitting at home or doing something. <laughs> um, but, but if you want it in a one page guide, it's blissfulprospecting.com slash Luigi. Yep. And you can just go grab the guide there. That'd be the best place to start is getting that guide and then I, I'm all over LinkedIn as well. So just look for me, Jason Bay, Blissful Prospecting on LinkedIn. I post every single day. I made a commitment in January to do daily posting. Yep. So I've been good to go since then. But uh, daily prospecting tips. So everything from how to make better cold calls, some better yep. cold emails, like motivation, attitude, all kinds of different stuff. Uh, check me out on LinkedIn. And those are two places to get the stuff for free that we're doing awesome. to get a good, good taste for, uh, for what we're doing. That's awesome, man. And we'll drop that in the show notes, brother. So look, thanks for, you know, the contribution you make into our community. It's awesome. Anyone that's helping sellers be the best version of themselves they can be um, is just awesome to see, man. So thanks for everything that you do. Cool. Thank you. 